I said, good morning, New Life Manor Two Springs. Good morning. Praise the Lord. It's a important Sunday. It's a great Sunday. It is Memorial Weekend Sunday, and it's uh, a wonderful um, Sunday in our nation to remember, like John said, and John served in the military. So um, we think about that. We think we thank the Lord that we are one nation under God, and we have freedoms here. We praise the Lord for people who have gone before us to give us the privileges we have today. Today is also, in the church calendar, a very special Sunday. Does anybody know why I have red on, why we have red on the cross? This is exactly 50 days from Easter. Today, it starts with a P. Today is... Pentecost. Good job, congregation. Well done. And so today we're going to talk about what Pentecost is. We're going to take a break from our First John series just for today to talk about Pentecost and look at the passage of scripture. I will explain to you what Pentecost is. If you're looking around, it's like, how does everyone know what this word even is? I will tell you what Pentecost is. Today is Pentecost Sunday. First, just a quick announcement. Uh, our event of the summer is our kids' camp. So we have two more Sundays after this one, and then we will have our kids' camp. I have up here one of our flyers. We have a bunch. We, we made more of these because all of you did what I asked you to do. I asked you to take some of these home, and I asked you, oh, give them to friends, to family members that have kids, and any kid between uh, the, the ages of 6 and 12, we would love to have at this camp. We have a great facility here. We have volunteers. We have big ideas. We have e even more need if you're, if you're like, oh, I would like to help with that. We have space for you. We're going to have a meeting next Sunday after church. So if you're interested in helping with our kids camp, there's all kinds of spaces for you to help. If you are able to greet adults as they drop off their kids, you could do that. If you're able to squeeze ketchup onto a hot dog, you can do that. If you're able to just sit with kids, you can do that. We have lots of different roles for these four days of kids camp. We do need you to fill out an application. There's a little background check because we want to keep our kids safe. But that's coming right up. Next week, we'll have another meeting about it and give you roles and places to serve. I always think, I said this last year as well, like this is kind of like a mission trip. Like you can, we take off work. Well, we're a church that sends uh, missionaries and short-term trips. So you could take off a week of work and go to a foreign place and learn the language language and try to, to, try to um, be a missionary in a foreign place and learn that culture. Or you could take a couple days off your week and be right here and already speak the language and already know how to get here and serve the kids in our community and tell them. Uh, last year, we had some kids come that weren't from our church and we got to tell them, God loves you. And maybe that was the first time they had been in a church and they had heard that. So that's the vision behind this. There, it's totally for free that we're doing this kids camp. And I'm hoping, I'm kind of giving out a call for, for you all to pay for it. Uh, we got the good ideas. We're going to have the fun. We're going to tell the kids about Jesus, but we really need your help. We're pulling it out of our budget. The cost is probably around 3000 uh, to pull off this camp. And it's going to be a pretty awesome camp. And, um, if 30 families would give 100 each, what's that? About 3,000. So that's it. Would you consider, just as I'm smiling up here asking you like, to give, would you give as you normally do to New Life Manitou? It's coming out of our budget. We're already going to do this camp, but would you consider giving that as a gift? Um, let's jump into the Word of God. We're going to be, in a few minutes, in the book of Acts, 
chapter two, verses one through four. We're going to read the story of Pentecost. But first, I will give you the title of this sermon and kind of tell you where we're going as we look at the story of Pentecost. The title of this sermon is Dream Bigger. Dream Bigger. And it's uh, not the idea of dreaming bigger. I really believe in dreaming bigger and God doing wonderful things in our lives beyond what we can even imagine. But this is a little phrase that my wife and I have as an inside joke. And did you hear her chuckle? When I said dream bigger, she chuckled. That was her who chuckled. And it's an inside joke between us because I'll tell you the story. Uh, a couple years, four years ago or so, there was this young man named Conrad who was a part of New Life Manitou Congregation, a young guy in his 20s. He was stationed here in the military. God bless all of our military. I know this is a military town. He was stationed here. He jumped right in. I think we had him less than a year. And he served. He played guitar. He was an incredible guitarist. And uh, four years ago, my wife was in this room with Conrad and the rest of the band before a Sunday morning service. You might not know this, but in this little room here, Uh, is our prayer room. The band gathers there before service. They pray. They receive communion together. They pray over the song, the set list. They pray over each and every one of you in the presence of God to be here as they lead worship. And Erica, in that room four years ago, it was basically like an old room for storage. We had like rolled up nasty carpet in there. I don't know why we were saving it. It was like the old owner's carpet. And we had like, oh, just stuff in there. Tech stuff was in there. Wires were in there. We had a couple chairs. And my wife, Erica, is like, we should make this room look really nice. We should get a Keurig machine. Wouldn't it be nice to have a Keurig machine in this room so that we could have hot drinks before we go out and sing? Wouldn't it be awesome to have a Keurig machine? And good old Conrad, who just kind of has like this funny humor, like I love this kind of humor when someone says something and you think they're joking, but you're not sure that they're joking. Then you find out that they're joking and oh yeah, okay, that's funny. Yeah, that's funny. You gotta kind of be witty along with them as they're funny. But Conrad said, as Erica's like, wouldn't it be awesome to have a Keurig, the little coffee machine in this room? Conrad said, Erica, dream bigger. (laughs) And I thought, like at the same time, it was a joke and a rebuke and an encouragement, all in two words, dream bigger bigger. And so Eric and I say this to each other sometimes, like we were talking about uh, the kids being out from school. Uh, we have four boys and on Thursday they had their last day of school. And so I w- we were just talking about the summer and what we're going to do. And I said, oh, maybe tomorrow I could bring them to McDonald's and we can go to the play place and get them happy meals. And won't that be fun? And Erica said, Joe, dream bigger. And I thought at the same, it's a joke and it's a rebuke. And at the same time, it's like, we're talking about the summer here. We're talking about the church. We're talking about much bigger things. And some of you are really good at this. Like, I don't know that I'm that good of a dreamer. I'm more of like a practical person. But I think in this room, like I think of the Shellhammers, John, who was just up here, you talk to him, you talk about him. And he's just like, oh, he's, he's thinking about bigger things. He just, he just dreams bigger. I think of the Duncans back there. You guys, do this really well, always taking care of people and singing a bigger picture. I think of Daniel Flooring. I see you back there. He's our tech guy. He's just the guy that sits behind the booth, but he's also going to seminary. He's going to, he's getting his master's degree. He's to go into ministry. He's dreaming bigger. I think of Ashley sitting back there. She's our operations coordinator. She does all the details of this church. And yet you talk to her and there's a bigger picture of what she's thinking and dreaming about. I think of Tom and Karen right here. They're just, you just talk to them. They're, they're thinking they're about bigger things. And this is the sermon today. We're going to look at Pentecost 
this story where the disciples, I assume, had no idea what was about to happen. The Holy Spirit is going to descend on them. The Holy Spirit is going to give them power. And I, I wonder if there was no way this little scared group of people in an upper room could have thought that the gospel would spread from them and go into all the world. And here we are today looking at, I don't know, two point something billion Christians in this world. A world has been changed by them and the power of the Holy Spirit that fell on this little group of people in an upper room. Like they think about like dreaming bigger and what happened in that circumstance that has led to who we are in this church today. So if you're ready to look at the word of God, would you stand with me? Acts chapter two, we're gonna read this story of Pentecost, these four verses, and then I'm gonna explain like what happens from there. And then Peter is going to stand up, the, the, the disciple Peter is going to stand up and he's going to explain what just happened. So look at this passage of scripture with me, Acts chapter 2, verse 1, it says, when the day of Pentecost came, which day? Pentecost. Okay, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. And that's referring to the disciples and the believers at that time. They're all together in one place. And then something scary happens. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind. So not like just like a whisper coming in through the windows. This is a violent windstorm. Came from heaven, filled the whole house where they were sitting. Can you imagine this scary scene? They saw what seemed to be. So that whoever's seeing this and writing this down, they don't know exactly what they're seeing. I've seen artists' uh, pictures and paintings of the day of Pentecost, and it's always a little different. I don't think, I don't think anyone quite knew what they were seeing because it says what seems to be like tons of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And then it says all of them, verse 4, were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. And so they go out, and the story goes on. I'm going to skip over this part, but they begin speaking in these tongues. You're, you're, if you're looking at your Bible, it might say languages. They speak in other languages, and people from their hometowns, from all over the known world, who were in the city of Jerusalem at that time, heard them in their own language, a true miracle. And people are wondering, what in the world is going on? I heard them in my language. I heard them in my language. What is happening here? What is going on? The whole city is in a stir. And then Peter stands up to explain what is going on. So would you skip to verse 16? Peter says that this is what's going on. This is a fulfillment of a prophecy from Joel who lived before Christ, about 800-something years before Jesus. Joel the prophet wrote these words, and Peter is saying, this is now being fulfilled right now here in Jerusalem. Peter says this, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. Verse, six, verse 17, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy, your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Christ, you are in our midst. We pray to you now and say, Lord, would you fill us? Would you baptize us with your Holy Spirit? Lord, this is not just a, an event that happened long ago. This is an event that happens daily. 
hourly in our lives, in the, in the church, that you empower us, that you fill us with your spirit. Holy Spirit, we pray to you and say, Lord, would you fill us? Would you give us something new, something bigger to dream about, something you're doing inside of us in this church to make disciples in the Pikes Peak region? Lord, we praise you. We thank you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and all God's people at New Life Manitou Springs shouted, amen, amen. amen. You may be seated. I have a three-point sermon for you. Every good sermon is three points and it's Trinitarian. So the first point is this. It's a question. What is Pentecost? That's a question. We're going to answer this question. What is Pentecost? A very tricky word, a very hard to define word. Actually, it's not. Do you know what it means? It means 50. That's what it means. Good job. It just means 50. Pentecost, 50 days. That's what it means. It's not that tricky of a word. It's 50 days from Easter. Like if I was to ask some of you in this room, if I said, who knows what Pentecost is? And you raised your hand. I said, what is Pentecost? Gave you a little quiz. I won't do that right now. And, and you said in front of everyone, you'd probably say something like, oh, it's 50 days from Easter, right? It is uh, the day the Holy Spirit was descended and filled the believers, right? And you'd also say, it's probably, someone would say, it's like the, the, the birth of the church. The church's birthday is Pentecost. Those are great things to say, right? That's the dictionary definition. That's the Wikipedia definition of what Pentecost is. Now, the problem with that is that those events happened after it was already called Pentecost. Here's a little trick for you. So if you look at Acts chapter 1, which we already did, it starts off and it says, when the day of Pentecost came. Did you, did you notice that? And I said, what day is it? And you all yelled back, Pentecost. Remember that? So the day was already called Pentecost. And then these events that we're familiar with happened and now we define Pentecost by those events that already happened on a day already called Pentecost. Is anyone else a little confused? You're like, wait, yeah, 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 what in the world? I mean, so here's the quick answer. Some of you probably already know this, but Pentecost was actually a Jewish festival already, like if you go back to Leviticus, and you can go there, Leviticus 23, 15 through 16, well, we'll put up the, the verse here, and you can kind of read it on your own and think about it. The day of uh, Pentecost was also called the Feast of Weeks, was also called Shavuot, was this day, high holy day, about 50, actually exactly 50 days after, after, let me get this right, after Passover's Sabbath. So there's Passover, then a Sabbath, and then 50 days. So you have these two days. Let me try to say it right so that you can understand what I am saying. So there's Passover and then Pentecost, and they're connected by these 50 days. Passover is like uh, the Jewish 4th of July. What happens on 4th of What do we celebrate on 4th of July? Our freedom, our independence. That's exactly what uh, the Jewish people are celebrating on Passover. They, they, were, they were liberated from their slavery of Egypt. And the Lord passed over the Israelites and crushed the Egyptians and they were set free. That's Passover. That's the meal Jesus celebrates with his disciples the night before he is arrested and crucified, right? That's Passover. So there's Passover and then there's the Sabbath day, the Sabbath Passover, and then there's 50 days following that uh, Sabbath day Passover for another holy holiday called Pentecost or the Feast of Weeks, seven weeks to be specific. And, or Shavuot is the Jewish name for Pentecost. And it's the day the Lord gave, they celebrate the, the day the Lord gave the, the Torah and the law. 
And isn't it interesting, here's some parallels, that the Lord fulfills the law. We don't have to go to a book. We don't have to go to the Old Testament and the rules anymore. We have those rules written in our hearts. And it's in the life and the flow of the kingdom and the church. Like ultimately, Pentecost, the Jewish feast, was fulfilled at the Christian celebration of the law and the Holy Spirit now being given in our lives. Pretty cool, right? Another cool parallel is that at Passover, not Pentecost, but Passover, people would wave, the wave offering in the temple was of wheat. People would take stalks of wheat and wave them and thank the Lord for what he has done. At Pentecost, if you look at Leviticus 23, they take on Pentecost Day, they take bread, which their hands have made, and they wave them and say, Lord, thank you for the works of our hands that you provided for the wheat, and now we take with our own hands, and we thank you for what you're doing in us as our hands are doing the work of the Lord. Think about that fulfillment of Pentecost, like the birth of the church is us with our hands saying, let your kingdom come. We're doing the work and we thank you for what you're doing inside of us. And we partner with you. We say, your kingdom come, your will be done. So this, this special day that is today, this Pentecost day is really special and dates way back even being fulfilled in the Jewish Old Testament laws and feasts. And here we are on this day of Pentecost. And for us, what I wanna talk about is being filled with the Holy Spirit, because that's what happens at Pentecost. Point two here is be filled with the Holy Spirit. So now you know what Pentecost is. Now you know it's a Jewish holiday being fulfilled with the coming of the Holy Spirit and the birth of the church. And what we really see here is the Holy Spirit descending upon his church and empowering people. Jesus predicts that this will happen. Jesus um, celebrates Passover, as a little review, gets arrested, is killed and crucified, and then uh, is buried in a tomb, and then resurrects from the dead, and he has quite a few days before he ascends into heaven. And during that time, he says, wait into Jerusalem, wait in Jerusalem, I'm gonna send you the Holy Spirit. One of these passages is Acts chapter one, verse four. So Jesus, this is the resurrected Jesus. On one occasion, while he was eating and drinking with them, he gave this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you've heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Another occasion, he's eating with his disciples. Luke 24, 49, he says, I'm going to send you what my father has promised. Stay in the city until, here's this really beautiful phrase, until you have been clothed with power from on high. Think about these two things, being filled with the Holy Spirit, being clothed with power from on high. And these are wonderful things. Baptism of the Holy Spirit, filled with the Holy Spirit, clothed with power from on high. These are things that should be a part of the church. And I understand that there's some people, some churches, some believers who are really hesitant 
to the Holy Spirit. Maybe they've seen some things. Maybe they've seen um, some things where Christians have taken advantage. Maybe they've seen things that were just out of control in churches on, on the basis of taking the name of the Holy Spirit and doing really weird things. Uh, maybe some people are afraid of the word Pentecost just because it sounds a lot like another scary word, which is Pentecostal or Pentagram. That's, that's a good answer. I was looking... <laughs> Pentecost and Pentecostal is what I, where I was going, Linda. Um, that was really good. <laughs> Pentecostal is a word that maybe, I'm going to use this word, Pentecostal, and charismatic for the purpose of this sermon. I might use them interchangeably as to anyone who believes that the gifts of the Holy Spirit are for today. Charismatic, Pentecostal believers believe that the Holy Spirit is still alive and active and we could pray for healing. We could pray for asking for the Lord's direction and his touch. And we as a church, New Life Manitou, we are that kind of church. We believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We believe we can commune with God and listen to him. We believe, in fact, after every service, we have an altar ministry time, and you can come forward and ask for prayer, and we will pray for healing. We will ask the Lord. We will contend with you. We believe that the Lord speaks today. We believe the Lord is active today, and, and, and there are churches out there that are cessationalist, and they would say the Lord is active. They would say the Lord, uh, the Holy Spirit is around, but they would probably draw a line, other churches, cessationalist churches, and they are our brothers and sisters in Christ. And I would say they believe like us, 99.9999999999, the same as us. We should extend fellowship. We should not argue. We should not fight. We should not bring disunity for us as Christians who believe in the gifts for today with the church that says we don't believe in the gifts for today because there's probably reasons why they don't. Maybe they've seen out-of-order churches. Maybe they've seen things that were just so unusual and unnormal that they're like, we're not even going to go there. I remember as a, as a young adult, I was in high school, and I, the, the youth group that I was a part of, the, the pastor said, yeah, those gifts have ceased. Any kind of miracles, those aren't for today. We have the Bible. And he, he made this great argument that because we have the Bible and we can look at the Word of God, we don't need prophecy. We don't need healings. We don't need sign gifts. And he talked about stories where he went to a healing, um, like a revival, and they were kind of manipulating the situation. And then they asked him for money. And he was just like, really, like, that's not, this isn't of Jesus. This isn't right. And it was just kind of his own horrible experience that he said, yeah, these gifts have just ceased. And that was all I knew. My youth pastor said, oh, the gifts have ceased. And so I was like, oh, okay. I didn't know anything different than that until my college days where some friends invited me to a, uh, like a deep South Pentecostal revival. And they were kind of a part of that movement. And they brought me to this movement. And I went to this church and my friends were normal. The church was, I went in and everyone was normal. They started singing music and worship songs and everything was normal. And some more than others raised their hands, but I was used to people raising their hands. It's a, we do that here at New Life Manitou. We raise our hands to say, Lord, we surrender to you. We worship you. The scripture says, lift up holy hands to the Lord. And so I thought, oh, there's a few more people than normal raising their hands, but everyone is totally normal. The sermon was preached. Everyone sat and amen and took notes. Everyone was 
normal. And then they had a concluding song. Everyone sang. Everyone was normal. And then as the church was like, I thought we were being dismissed, there was then this altar ministry time where some music started up and everyone who was normal lost their minds. (laughs) People came forward and began to like scream and shout and uh, you came forward for prayer and people were falling down, which they were prepared for because if like a lady was wearing a dress, they had these little blankets, like a little airplane, the blanket you get on the airplane and they would put it over the lady and then some people started convulsing and screaming. There was laughing. There was a guy behind me not speaking in tongues, but screaming in tongues and I was like, oh, is my ear bleeding? What is going on? This is out of control. It was just so unusual. And I, it was the first time I had ever seen anything like that, like a church, like, like it was just so loud and crazy. And I remember like after that, going to my, uh, going out to dinner with my friends at the Waffle House. And I was like, guys, what was that? Like what just happened? And they began to explain, oh, well, this church really believes in the Holy Spirit and and being comfortable and just letting go and allowing the Spirit. And I had enough trust in my friends to listen to what they were saying and think, okay, what what is this? Is is this from the Lord? And they they were like, Joe, we, we can only answer so many of your questions. Why don't you seek out wisdom from Scripture? They said, Uh, They pointed me to scripture and said, Joe, see if this is scriptural. I mean, it was all new to me. The prophecy idea, the healing idea that the Lord could heal today. It was all brand new to me. And my friend said, read scripture. They pointed me to scripture. And I read scripture and I thought, well, there's plenty of stories of the Lord's miracles. There's plenty of stories of the Lord's healing there's the speaking in tongues, and that was very unusual, and I didn't really, that was, I had a lot of questions about that, but it's in the text of Scripture, and there is in the text of Scripture prophecy, and what do I do with that? And I began a journey towards thinking and praying towards, like, the Lord is doing this today, and he's doing it in the church, and he's doing it in me, and that's the position I hold now, that the, that the Lord is living and active, and, and, the, and the Holy Spirit should not be quenched, and, and should not uh, be squelched. The, the Holy Spirit is alive and real, and we are a church that fully believes that. And I remember going back, I was still going to this, I was at the time in my college days going to this Baptist church and really trying to figure this thing out and talking out loud because my Baptist friends, they were all, uh, it was the church that said, no, the Holy Spirit gifts have ceased. And I was like, well, I, you know, I, I don't know. Like, what about this? What about that? And what about some of my own experiences? And, and they were like, no, those things have ceased. What you might just be experiencing is emotionalism. And I remember having this conversation with another friend of mine who was probably the, the phrase like a few crayons short of a full box. That would probably kind of apply to my friend. And he was already getting really mad at me because he was like, he, was, he wanted to argue about the Holy Spirit. And I was like, well, you know, if you look at scripture and you see the disciples and they, they go through this Pentecost and they receive the gifts of the Holy Spirit, shouldn't we be more like that? And my Baptist friend said, well, um, I don't know about that, but John was a Baptist And it threw me off so much. I could have said, like, John the Baptist wasn't there at Pentecost. I could have said that. I could have said, John the, like, a Baptist is different than, like, today's Baptist. And I I 
didn't know what to say, so I said nothing, and he left the conversation thinking he won, and he did, because I had nothing to say to that response that John was a Baptist. And then, like, obviously, that's, this proves everything. So anyways, <laughs> what I want to say now is to get back to the point here of the Holy Spirit and him empowering us. This is point three as I begin to wrap up this sermon. The Spirit will enable you. The Spirit will enable you. I'll say it one more time. The Spirit will enable you. That's what Pentecost is really all about. That's the birth of the church. The church was already there. I mean, in some ways you could say that was the birthday of the church, but in other ways you could say, well, well wouldn't it predate that? Because they were already gathered together. But this is the date of Pentecost is really the empowering of the church. It's the sending out of the church. It's the filling of the church with power from on high to go into all the world and to, to make disciples. And that's what we're doing today. New Life Manitou is all about. We, we, we seek to make disciples in the Pikes Peak region by calling people to worship, connect, and to serve. That's the vision of this church. And, and we do it with the power of the Holy Spirit. We do it with the life of Jesus inside of us. And it's not to say that someone who, who doesn't believe along the lines of, of charismatic and Pentecostal faith doesn't have the Holy Spirit. We, we as, as a Christian, you know, it says in Ephesians, you, you believe and you receive the Holy Spirit. You, you receive the Holy Spirit when you believe. And, and Jesus even, you know, we look at this one interesting passage. You can turn to John chapter 20, verse 19. This is another one of those stories in between Jesus' death and resurrection and Pentecost, where, where Jesus appears to his disciples even though he has already died. The resurrected Jesus is there right in front of his disciples. It says this in John chapter 20, verse 19. It was an evening on the first day of the week, so that's a Sunday evening. They were all together. The disciples were together with the doors locked for the fear of the Jewish leaders. They, they're afraid they're, they were gonna be crucified and, and brought to jail just like their leader Jesus was. So they're afraid the, do, the doors are locked. And even though the doors are locked, what does it say? Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. And after this, he showed him his hands, his side, the disciples were overjoyed that they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And then listen to this. I read all of that just to get to this verse, verse 22. This is before Pentecost. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. That's interesting, isn't it? This predates Pentecost by I don't know how many days at least seven, if it's Sunday, and then the next Sunday would be Pentecost, at least seven, probably more than that, actually, um, that they received the Holy Spirit. So then what is Pentecost? I thought they received the Holy Spirit then. Well, it's, it's a deepening. It's, it's a widening. It's a filling. It's a baptism. I wish I had for you an equation. Here's how it works. You, you do this, you pray this, then this happens, and you get saved, and this happens, and then you, and this, and that. And it's like an equation. I wish that was... Because it'd be a simple answer. Like I could just, you know, show a little chart. Here's how it works. You pray this and you, you believe this. But the Holy Spirit is not a thing. The Holy Spirit is not a force. The Holy Spirit is a 
person, a person of God. In a relationship, there's no equation. I'm thinking about like a guy trying to, you know, ask a girl out. Like you don't tell, you don't, the advice you give the guy isn't an equation. That'd be silly, right? Because then he would go up to the girl. First you go to the girl, then you say this, and then she said, like that would be ridiculous. That's, that doesn't have, that's not how it works. It's a, a relationship. In the same way, I can't give you a rela- a, an equation for the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a person. And it's, it's like this. This is a pastor's joke. A pastor was trying to explain this to someone and said, uh, this, this person said, I already live with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's already inside of me. He said, well, isn't it true that your mother-in-law came to live with you about a year and a half ago? And he's like, yeah, my mother-in-law came about a year and a half ago. She's been living with us. And the pastor says, well, have you received her? And he said, nope. <laughs> so is it possible to live and not receive? Well, well, maybe. And is it possible, I'm just asking, to live with, to then maybe receive, but then to not like really live with and be in relationship with? Well, well maybe. So, so are these different things? And are these things, I would say, that daily we need to be filled? Daily we need to be reminded that the Spirit is with us and walking with us. We should always, even if some of you in here are like, oh yeah, I've been saved, I have the Holy Spirit, I've seen things, I know that I know that I know I have the Holy Spirit and he has filled me and I'm baptized. Well, dream bigger. Like maybe the Lord has a lot more for you as individuals. Maybe the Lord has a lot more for us as the church. What I'm saying this morning is, is don't quench the Holy Spirit. Don't, don't squelch the Holy Spirit's work. My burden in here this morning is not for a few of you to say, oh yeah, I, I want that. I want the Holy Spirit. I want to be filled. My burden this morning is for every single one of you. And, and to dream even bigger, like my hope, my dream is for everyone in Manitou to feel and to know and to receive the Holy Spirit. Would you pray with me this morning? The band's gonna come forward. And just while you're sitting there, would you just open your hands? I'm not asking you to, to raise your hands. I'm not asking you to, 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 to shout or to scream, but just in a quiet posture of openness, would you open your hands just on your lap? And though we pray to you and say, Lord, we wanna be filled by your Holy Spirit. We want to know you even more. Maybe, maybe we have known you. Maybe we've known you for years. Maybe we would say we've been filled with the Holy Spirit. We've been baptized. We've seen your gifts inside of us and in the church. But Lord, we pray for more. Would you, would you say to the Lord, Lord, would you baptize me? Lord, would you fill me with your Holy Spirit? Lord, would you awaken us as a church to dream bigger. Lord, maybe you're doing something here at Manitou that we can't even begin to explain. We can't even begin to think about. It's too far. It's too, it's too big to imagine, but Lord, you're going to do it. You're going to do this great work amongst us because Lord, you love your church and you fill us with your spirit. You fill us and baptize us with your spirit. So spirit, we pray to you as a person of God. Spirit, we say, come Breathe on us, fill us, empower us to lead others to you. Though we praise you, we thank you that we can receive you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.
Would you stand with me? I'm gonna give you some directions for communion. We're gonna come forward. If you're serving communion, would you make your way up here to, to hold the baskets? As we come this morning, um, you're gonna come through the aisles. You're gonna come from um, whatever side you are on to the middle. You're gonna come through and, 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 and look at the cross. It's a, it's a small journey in this room, but it's a big moment of faith where we come and we receive. I, I see some new faces here in, at New Life Manitou. If you're new with us, if you believe in Jesus, you're not just invited to come forward. We would love for you to come forward to receive from Christ his body and his blood. The communion servers will say, Christ's body and blood for you. Look them in the eyes. Receive this. This is the, the church being the church. This is the church offering what our hands have made in the kingdom of God, but it's what the Lord has done and we get to be participating in what God is doing amongst us. So as you come, remember that these are the gifts of God for the people of God. This is the body of Christ for the body of Christ. Come forward and receive.